Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbrook, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going pretty well, Riley. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. I'm coming hot off a a really long nap that I did not intend to take, but uh-huh. you know, we're feeling fresh. We're feeling rested. We're feeling like we're not going to be able to sleep tonight. And we're here. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, whenever I take a nap, it's always like way too long. And then I just can't go to sleep. I've been struggling recently with sleeping. I don't know what it's, what's been I've been struggling like, for, with sleeping for a while. I think it has something to do with just like being home and like not eating all day or something. I don't know. My kind of thoughts are like racing now at night. And I can't, like, I'm always <laughs> thinking about, like i don't know a video or i'm thinking about my coding stuff or i'm just like thinking about things to do like i just and maybe it's just that i'm excited to like do things uh because when i wake up i'm I'm feeling like this creative (laughs) energy that i haven't felt in a long time so i've just been over the last like couple weeks just really having a hard time getting to sleep because i'm like oh i could tinker with this and what about this idea and what about this and trying this and all this stuff yeah i mean i feel you um, I, I guess it's like a good thing to be excited about like what you're going to do the next day, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I get so angry. It's like, even if I get a good night's sleep, I get really angry when I don't fall asleep when I want to, you know? Sure. Very sure. frustrating. Um, sure. And lately, um, my customer at work has had a habit of scheduling 7 a.m. meetings because they work mm. on the East Coast time. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, they don't really think about it. They'll schedule like an 8 a.m. meeting for themselves, and they're like, "All right, like, gotcha. can you come?" And I'm like, "I can't really say no." <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so that's been a, a thing. Have you ever tried like melatonin to get to sleep? No, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm definitely thinking about it. Yeah, it definitely I'm works. Definitely you have to take it like. Yeah. A, I don't think it puts you like conks you right away, like some people say. Um, kind of like have to let it simmer for a little but it sure. it did work for me um sure. i actually ran out and i keep forgetting to buy it when i go back to the store well you can you can buy me one too for christmas sounds good <laughs> sounds good <laughs> so jw we're coming really hot off a a big dub ski for you here i believe big dub ski tonight <laughs> tell yep, us about so, it so hey you know what i am the gamer champion I played in the team challenge that was held by Paul's Gamer Zone. And when I saw it on the list of available stores, I was like, yep, <laughs> that is the one that I have to win. So I signed up for it. Turns out it was it was really kind of nice, actually, because, you know, I'm getting into this new um, program, right? This coding stuff. And so I, I'm thinking that January 11th on like for the next three months is going to be absolutely crushing in terms of Uh-oh. my free time. And so if I was going to do this team challenge, I kind of wanted to make sure that I could fit, you know, as many of them in before, you know, that January 11th deadline. And so this was a store that had scheduled their first one, you know, today, and then they had scheduled like their next two in December and then their fourth one in early january so i was like okay great so if i don't make it here then you know i'm still signed up for this store and we're going to complete them you know hopefully i can get a win over the next three tournaments and um anyway we entered played four rounds of swiss played a top cut and we took it down heck yeah man heck yeah so super cool you're the gamer champion not many people can say that they are the gamer champion i mean i'm representing the gamer zone so <laughs> And I was the first champion, so I will take, you know, you can refer to me as, as Lord of the Champion, uh, Gamer <laughs> Champion, you know, Gamer Lord, um, Champion of Gamers. I'll take any of those titles. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to make sure that that, that gets referred to. Um, actually, it seems <laughs> kind of problematic if people aren't willing to call you by your full title. Um, that's true. That's true. Flex Daddy Righteous Champion of Gamers Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through i guess first let's give a little background again in case anyone isn't aware what the what the store team challenge is and then let's talk about what your specific experience was like 
Sure, sure. So the idea behind the team challenge, it's a tournament series that is hosted by Pokemon Company. Uh, so it's not, you know, privately or it's not, you know, it, it's it's from the company. So it's not an outside organization. It's not a third party right. tournament. And so stores, the local stores to kind of encourage them to continue to be in players' lives and to to continue to be on players' minds um, are incentivized to hold these tournaments uh, through Discord. And the winners of each of these tournaments, I would say comparable to like a league challenge, a league cup and a league challenge, maybe a mix of the two, somewhere in between there. And, um, you know, they're incentivized. And then the winner of these tournaments uh, will represent the store in a four-person kind of bigger tournament, if if as it were. I, I don't quite know <laughs> how to say the words for it. But they, they'll represent. So I, along with three other people that are yet to be named at these three other tournaments for this specific store, will represent this store at a larger tournament. And so uh, I was the first champion of the initial qualifier, which is pretty cool. That is super cool. So... Standard events, obviously, um, lines up pretty well with what Pokemon would expect and do. So what yeah. deck did you take and what did you end up taking down on the way to becoming the gamer champion? Yes, I took Mike Fouché's Picaram list, just card for card, just ripped it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I haven't I haven't played a lot of Picaram in this format. I played it a little bit last format, but I haven't really played a lot of it in this format with Vivid Voltage. And so I was thinking, okay, it'd be good to get my feet wet with this deck that has seemingly 50-50 or better matchups, like pretty much across the board. And uh, I wasn't thinking at the time that there were going to be a ton of people. So I was thinking, okay, I just want something that works, you know, like 95% of the time, right? I don't want to have to guess as to whether or not my deck is going to perform in any given round. And so I was, you know, when I first signed up, it was like me and this other guy. I was like, okay, great. So I probably only <laughs> have to beat like the locals, you know? So I think that also like kind of favors a deck like Picaram, right? Where I'm not necessarily trying to metagame against anyone, but I'm just trying to play something that is consistent. That gives me some outs against what my opponents might be playing. And I ended up facing in round one and Eternatus that was a really tight game. So basically what happened was they got up five prizes. And so it was six to one at that point. I had not knocked out anything. I had done 150 <laughs> damage to an Eternatus with a full blitz, but they immediately knocked out my Picaram. So it comes down to the one turn. And as most of these games do come down to that one, like pivotal turn, um, I was able to use a lightning ride and knock out that, um, knock out that active Eternatus that had two energy on it. And then I also was able to hit one crushing hammer to knock off the only energy on their bench to Eternatus. And then I reset stamp them, reset stamp them. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much it. I was able to gust up the bench to Eternatus and win via two knockouts of two of the V maxes. And then in the next round, I played against Jesse Parker, who was playing a just consistent, Pika, I think is kind of what it's called, the kind of toward Pika list with the four, the four bolt on, yeah. no hammers. And I also got a little lucky. Well, I don't know that I necessarily got a little lucky. Like I would say that I ran <laughs> under. Well, I just, if you like my hammer flips were not there, um, but right. I ended up pulling it out in the end. Uh, he had to use a lot of switches. So what I was able to do was really effectively use the Raichu Raichu. Yep. Uh, and he just didn't have any switches left. And I think I went second in that matchup. So I was also pretty favored there as well, being able to get the Boltund going on the first turn. And then in the next round, I play... Or maybe maybe Jesse... No, Jesse was round three. Okay, and then in round two, I play a... Sent a Scorch player. Yes. Okay. Got it's it. coming back Got to it. me. And he just, he dead drew. So I think that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of forgetting about it. Uh, but he just, you know, he had a Volcanion, two Volcanions, a bench sent to Scorch, and he just didn't really, he drew like one or two welder. I don't, I don't really remember, but it wasn't that impactful. I was able to really, um, you know, paralyze Raichu Raichu and, you know, do enough damage. And a Boltund was doing 300 at the end of the game. And it was just oh, no. pretty much over. <laughs> and so uh, then I played Jesse in round three and that was that tight game. And then in round four, so I'm 3-0. and There's 10 people in the tournament. And maybe nine by this point. I think one person had dropped. But I play against this 
Galarian Stunfisk deck. Oh, wow. And uh, I was thinking about maybe just like scooping it to them because there was some math where like, okay, if two other tables both play it out, then, you know, she <laughs> could theoretically get in. But we ended up just playing it out because I was like, you know what, let's let's just have some fun. And, you know, she was kind of going into it like, oh, I'm not going to win. You know, my deck's not that good. And I'm like, you never know. You know, you, you play your hardest, uh, try your best, and, you know, you never know. And so anyway, we got to a point where like I had to make a tag bolt play but wow. that left my Pikaram really act like really exposed, of course. Like all my energy is on this Pikaram. <laughs> and I had to make this play. And she draws into the thing that she needed to kind of counter that. And like she knocks out my Pikaram. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. Cause I have no more energy left to one shot these stun fists. And they're just gonna keep doing, you know, a hundred damage. Cause at that point she had two Galarian berserkers out doing the boosted damage it was, <laughs> it was cool it was cool i'd been messing around with the deck like that um you know just in in my own private testing but uh it was kind of fun to see it in action and yeah got the win like you know nothing i you know i don't, I don't necessarily think i misplayed but um it was it was fair and square it was very well played and then we ended up playing a top cut now i'm not sure if all of the team challenges are supposed to be exactly the same and i believe it's up to the discretion of each individual to however i'm not sure you know sure. and i i hesitate to you know speak one way or the other like i'm gonna say my experience but i'm hesitate hesitant to bring it out to light just because i'm i don't want to get this place in trouble for maybe not running the tournament the way they were supposed <laughs> to but we ended up just playing a top four and playing a best of one so i'm not sure if it was supposed to be best of three best of one we ended up just playing best of one which i'm fine with with a tournament like this like there's not really any prizes on the line i suppose the winner would get a play mat or something but um the stakes are very very low and you know people are just having fun on a weekday right <laughs> so they're not trying to be there super late so i get it so we play the first round and i'm up against owen robinson so it was like the the bigger players there, Owen Robinson and Rob Stevens of the Heat Factory podcast were both at the store. And then Jesse Parker, uh, of course, like I mentioned, was at the store. So it was kind of us four. We were kind of in that contention there for uh, the, the win. And so I play against Owen. He's playing ADP, comes down to a crucial turn where he isn't able to find the boss. I have to reset stamp him to three and he doesn't find boss and I win. And that was just really a sigh of relief because I had missed a couple hammer flips. And, uh, you know, it just, I was on the back foot pretty much the whole game, but I was able to clutch it out in the end. So that felt really good. And I go into finals, I'm against Jesse again. Uh, this is another game that I have rough flips on the hammers and kind of just generally rough draws. Uh, but I ended up making making it out alive and, uh, and winning the tournament. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So... Generally positive experience, even outside of the win. Would you do something like this again if you, like, yeah, I if you think had to? <laughs> if I had to. I mean, you you never have to, but I think I would. It was it was pretty fun. I like the, I like competing for something more than like packs, I guess, because there is like this secondary element to this whole team challenge where there's bigger prizes on the line. I mean, yeah. You know, and there's some kind of clout on the line, uh, <laughs> at least from like a on a on a company level. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to play and be able to win. And I had a really good time. I would caution people to, you know, just think hard about which store they choose, because I could see it being very tough during, you know, if somebody is a T.O., at a store and they're like, oh yes, I want to run this challenge, but they don't necessarily know how to run a tournament because we kind of had that. It was just maybe a little more inexperienced judge. I think they did fine overall, like particularly, I think this was like one of their first tournaments, certainly one of their first online tournaments. Yeah. And that interface is a little bit funky on Arcanine Labs, but they did a really nice uh, job. Generally speaking, we were, I would say about 30 minutes late. Um, which would be my only gripe. And I could see, you know, someone that has maybe even less experience, you know, that could, the round timers in between, it could just take a long time. Um, so just be mindful of which store you're choosing. And like, if you know your locals, you know, your local store owners and your local TOs and stuff, um, you know, maybe just do that research and think twice about where you're going to join. 
um, if you don't want to spend all day <laughs> doing one of these tournaments. For sure, for sure. So generally positive experience at the, the Gamer Zone, JW emerging the champion with Pikaram. Uh, obviously, we've been hyping up Pikaram a little bit for the last week or so here. Um, nice to see that you've joined the team, JW. Well, all hail the Gamer King. All hail the Gamer King. So is there anything that you would change about your list going forward, the Mike Fichet list that you used? Oh, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I might look to maybe include like another, try to include up to four Bolton. I found Bolton was like super good, like the entirety of the day and just being able to start it. So maybe I would take out, you know, the team yell grunt maybe and like try to add in a third Bolton and then try to find space for a fourth. I don't know. It just, it's so important to get that first one down. And it felt like every game that I started Bolton, I was in the driver's seat and every game that I didn't start Bolton, I was kind of wasting a lot of resources trying to get it out. And sometimes it just didn't work. So I feel like increasing the chances of starting it, you know, is just going to help you in the long run with that deck. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I kind of agree. I mean, we saw those first Picaram lists back in the last format where the first iterations of those started with one Boltund. <laughs> yeah. And then two Boltund became really the standard um, pretty quickly yeah. after that. But still, um, I think the the evolution around Boltund in particular has been really interesting. Um, where does yeah. it fit into the deck? How many should you play? And I agree with you. It, it fits in at pretty much every stage of the game. You know, you obviously want an early game, but having the threat of it throughout the game I think is really important in some matchups as well. Um, yeah, because yeah, there are just time. There are times with the Bolton where it's like it really doesn't make sense to play it down on your field early because you're using those bench spots for you know your Crobat or your Dedenne, but you do want to make sure you have one for the late game. And there are just those times where it gets kind of awkward where you know you're trying yeah. to manage your bench and you only have the two Boltons, so maybe you start the first Bolton and then you're you know deciding whether or not to discard the second one and. Um, you know, those are, those are tough decisions sometimes. For sure. For sure. So I'd also like to get some thoughts and you now obviously this can be more of a discussion. Um, how would you typically prepare for a tournament like this? Um, you know, I yeah. think a lot of these, these team challenges are likely going to be somewhat small um, with probably a mixture of like known and unknown factors in terms of players mm -hmm. in the, in the contention for each individual store. Um, what is your approach when going into events like this? Do you prefer to generally play just a consistent deck? Would you have played maybe a more risky choice if you had a better sense of the players that would be going into this and their preferences? Um, you know, what, what kind of thoughts do you have when you prep for an event like this? Yeah, it's so small that I just feel like I, for me, I just generally want to have a chance against anything, but I think for an event this small, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to try to like metagame to a point that it's that you're going to take all these auto wins if the format shifts a certain way. So like for this format, I think if I had brought something like Decidueye, uh, I pretty much think that I would have swept <laughs> like easily, I guess. Maybe, you know, there was the ADP that played a uh, an Age of Slash, but you know, there are a lot of Picaram decks. Eternatus was big. You know, they're just probably I would have had an auto win against, you know, seven out of the nine other players, you know. So I didn't have much of an idea of what the format was going to be like. When I signed up, there were, like I said, only two people, me and one other person. So at that point, you know, you just kind of <laughs> have to be ready for anything. Um, but I did like playing um, the Picaram list that was kind of a little more run hot. I was between, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to play a lightning based deck. And so I was kind of between the Mewtwo list of lightning and uh, Pikaram. And I kind of felt like, you know, Hey, my, my kind of hard metagame call would just be how much I could flip heads on crushing hammer. And that would kind of be the determining factor. Yeah. It ended up actually not being the determining factor in the end. Like I actually overcame, I think I hit on the day, something like, four out of you know 15 crushing hammer so i was like well <laughs> below kind of the average that you would expect uh so it didn't end up mattering all that much but i was kind of thinking okay well if i can go positive on my crushing hammers uh and still play this consistent deck then i probably have a pretty good shot at taking the tournament down 
So I don't know. I don't know that that necessarily answers the question. I think there are a lot of different theories of how you could approach kind of a blind metagame in a very compact way. I generally like to go for that, you know, consistent, give me a chance in every single matchup, but I could certainly like see people just taking a, taking a deck like Colossal, right? That has, you know, a lot of these auto win matchups are close to auto win matchups, uh, but ha- struggling against a lot of others. Could certainly see something like that happening. Yeah, I almost want to err on the side of being relatively safe at these very small events because, mm-hmm. you know, you're more likely to hit the random person. You know, even if you get every person but one right, I, you're more yeah. likely to hit that one person yeah. in a small yeah, that's, event. That's super fair. I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? Because you have four chances, theoretically. If you're able to, um, you know, make it, right? Or if you're able to make every tournament, you have four chances. And then presumably the the pool gets a little bit smaller each time, right? Because one person wins and then that's one person less in that, in that group, right? So, yeah. um, you know, there there's the thought you know maybe that you could you could know, start to learn I, yeah, yeah start to learn as you're playing so maybe you and that's safe fair. to start and then yeah. and then harder counter at the end yeah i think that i think that's ultimately what i would lean towards because uh, you need to get a sense of what the what the player base is looking like um mm-hmm. and then of course like if your metagame is just full of i don't know like flexible players who just play a lot of different stuff um that's high tier in the meta can also be difficult um but I guess yeah. in that case, the meta choice, you know, based on the player pool, is to play another like flexible deck that can respond to changes quickly. Um, yeah. So, um, I I think I'm overall agreeing with you, um, and I think that applies generally to like local tournaments. Is you know, play safe, get your feet wet at first, and then as you start to get a better sense, um, you can have a better idea of what you need to bring. Like if your locals always has the one guy who succeeds really well with one particular archetype. You know, maybe you bring the tech card for the day. I mean, that's that's sure. pretty common. You know, you see people do that kind of stuff all the time. You know, a certain person walks in the room and people pull out their deck box of tech cards <laughs> and put the one in their deck. <laughs> I've certainly had that happen before. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that's super cool, man. I'm I'm glad that you found success. I'm glad that you're the champ, and I'm glad it was with Pikaram. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Now you next, Riley. You next for sure. For sure. So next up, I want to talk really quickly through our card of the day before we talk about some other upcoming opportunities to flex your Pokemon skills and what we might consider for those. Um, And so the card of the day this week, um, I was talking to my friend recently, and one of the parts I really don't like about winter is how dark it gets so quickly. Um, It's not as bad, I don't think in like a work from home landscape but it was always really depressing driving home from work at like four or five and it's completely pitch black outside um so in keeping with that theme i wanted to focus in on a dark pokemon and another thing that i was thinking about recently was i love pokemon cards that tell a story and i've i've brought this up a a fair amount of times i think because i love when cards like have something going on with them over time and so The card I chose to represent both of these facets is the Umbreon from Aquapolis. So for the unfamiliar, the Umbreon from Aquapolis is sitting on like a, I don't know if it's like a church or some other like series of like Greco-Roman kind of buildings, Um, but it's in this like cityscape and sitting on a rooftop. And there's also an Eevee that has like a similar locale um, in the background. And what's cool is this Umbreon is actually referenced very recently in another card you may be familiar with. So the Umbreon from Aquapolis is actually the same Umbreon that is in, and this is like confirmed by the artist, the same Umbreon in Umbreon and Darkrai Tag Team GX. Um, and, ah. and if you pay attention, you can actually see like the rooftop is there. Um, and it's in actually all of the different like alternate arts for Umbreon and Darkrai like show that rooftop in different angles. Um, so I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I love when cards have like a theme that carries on with them. Like another good example of that is like the Abra and the Elohim um, yep. being on the same like spire. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think that's super cool. Uh, the Umbreon itself is also just like a really cool card. It's really pretty. Um, 
I mean, when I think of like those early dark Pokemon cards, I think of the Sneasel and I think of the Umbreon. Um, sure. Are like the two standouts in my mind. So, sure. Love this card. Umbreon, obviously, like a fan favorite. Uh, you know, everyone points to Shiny Umbreon as like their favorite Shiny, which I think is a little stereotypical, but <laughs> I mean, it does You're look super hater, cool. Bro. You're a hater. It does look super cool. <laughs> the Evolutions rock. Um, yeah. And again, I just, I just love when cards tell a story over time you know even if it's not wow. like a real in-depth story like having that consistent thematic element that carries on through the years is always super fun to me yeah that's amazing i actually had no idea about that yeah that's really great <laughs> yeah i think the coolest part to me isn't just that the first umbreon and dark rye references that card but so does the other art for the umbreon and dark yeah yeah <laughs> so it was clearly like a very intentional thing that they wanted to do with the, with this card Sure. Sure. Oh, and now I see it. I'm looking at the Aquapolis Eevee, and it looks like there's kind of a cityscape in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. There's this one Eevee that's been with us for so many years. <laughs> yep. Very cool. So, shout out to Umbreon from Aquapolis, and shout out to the, I should have looked up the name, the artist for, for these sets of cards, um, who did such a good job, like, carrying on that that theme. Yeah, let me let me find let me find it. I was just on oh I went too far. <laughs> oh, man. I can probably find it. I, I think I have the card open. Oh jeez. Maybe I don't. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Mitsuhiro Arita, uh, who I think has actually done quite a bit of art for the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's definitely something that you see a lot of these artists come back, and uh, it's been fun through these card of the days to kind of explore and look at the art in a new way as what it is art. I mean, all these pieces are just that. Like people put a lot of time and thought into the artwork behind these cards, and it's really cool to explore that every week. Yeah, just looking at the his uh, avatar, meets a hero has an incredible amount of cards under his belt he was at dallas regionals i believe signing cards oh yeah isn't he the one who signed auto charizard yeah i believe so yeah he's based at charizard guy yeah yeah he's very i guess probably this the guy's most an icon yeah you know? as a king <laughs> i thought he signed a different charizard for auto perhaps perhaps it's still super cool. Yeah, base set four. Um, also made Charizard in Braction. Very cool. Which, which makes That's sense because I guess the Charizard in that card actually has like the base set Charizard pose. It's Yeah, it's kind of that. There, there's another one of those right. things, man. I, I think this guy likes the same thing I do with like carrying on the themes through the years. It's kind of like little <laughs> Easter eggs. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing this for so long, right? So this is that's probably like his way of like leaving a little stamp of his work on the on the game. Sure. Anyway, we could probably go on forever about Mitsuhiro and his awesome cards. So, um, <laughs> let's we'll move on then to our next topic today, which is going to be some other upcoming opportunities to to flex your skills in the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah. yeah. So the first the first thing coming up here, of course, is the uh, the next full grip online series tournament number seven, and that will be in the expanded format. Yeah. Expanded format, uh, getting unleashed after a new wave of bans. We talked about the bans already and how um, really it was a long time coming for Shaman, I think. That was really something we had pointed to for a while now. Um, but super cool to see it actually executed on. JW, do you have any preliminary thoughts on the expanded format? I know you said you haven't had too much time to test it. Do you have any like gut feels for things you might consider? Um, I feel like Picaram would be a great call in the expanded format. I mean, you just get back, you get back a lot of the tools that you lost. The power. Uh, yeah, the power exactly grows for sure. Um, yeah, something like that. You know, we were talking a little bit about Lost March, maybe. Uh, I think Rowland and Alolan Executor still is probably even better now with the band. Were we talking about Mad Party? Uh, I don't think we were talking about Lost March. Oh, sorry. I meant Mad Party. I meant Mad Party. <laughs> But I mean, I'm down to talk about a lot so much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, potato, potato. 
but those would those would be some of the things um i could also see maybe like a stall based deck you know i mean they, there's just always going to be some kind of stall archetype so if you really put a lot of time into the expanded format then you know you can find a reasonable stall deck that you could play so yeah i mean if you think about it the like the doll stall deck really didn't lose a lot um you obviously lost yeah. the orangaroo which which hurts um but you still have access to bunnelby and the and the bunnelby yeah. is still a good card like it gives you a mill option as well um yeah so. the the bunnelby is like pretty pretty close to being just as good and then you i mean you could also play excadrill too right so yeah. you, and that gets back one more card so <laughs> at the price of, the of evolving <laughs> at the price of evolving so yeah i'm i'm with you i think i think pikram is definitely a a tried into archetype um and it uh -huh. got some pretty key tools um recently and the fact that it has vehicle v now um to be able to free up some turns i think you know getting in one or two free turns with vehicle sure. it's really cool um and then the the e-power on top of that allowing vehicle to start to ko smaller attackers pick off basics while also item locking um really really good you know you can't sure. you can't deny that um i mean seismato has been an expanded staple for years and it's been using hypnotoxic laser to boost the damage output vehicle already is basically the seismato with the laser and then you get the additional like electro powers that stack on top of that so, right right uh, super cool obviously um, but then of course getting the electro power back is huge i mean think about how ridiculous peek around would be if it had access to electro power right now um, it'd be yeah it'd be insane for sure <laughs> so uh, obviously getting electro power back is huge thunder mountain as well um probably not as big of a deal as some of these other cards but um really nice to have access to mm -hmm. and i think one of the things that peak Ram gets for it right now is you can build a deck in a way to deal with most anything um so another semi-large archetype is going to be that um Alolan Executor, Vileplume kind of deck, and, you know, Decidueye, or, sorry, the Pikram deck can pretty easily, like, tech in a Jolteon or something, a Jolteon GX, if it really is yeah, worried about, like, basic blocking. Yeah, or an Electros, blocking. you know. Yeah, or an Electros, like you know, there's plenty of options available to you, so, I mean, I yeah. try and true archetype in both formats for sure. Um, yeah. Some other decks that I was considering, I think really that control archetype sticks out to me. Um, I think Control really didn't suffer that much from the ban list, maybe as much as Pokemon intended to. Um, sure. Bundle is a great option. And honestly, I feel like people don't ever respect the mill part of Bundle when they play against a Control deck. I feel like every all the time people get hit by that uh, mill two at the end of the game when they're like mapping out their route to win. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, And of course, for we've sure. talked so many times about Having eight dolls just seems absurd, and they still do. So, glory yeah. be unto the dolls, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Any doll fills the bench. I think the only real inhibitory factor for control is just that the tropical beach is so difficult to get a, a hold of. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, and you maybe arguably don't even need it, right? You could you could play with uh, Snorlax, of course. There Gorman have been dies. some decks recently that have been playing, you know, some stall decks that are playing Snorlax. So, you, you know, you maybe don't even need the, the beach. You maybe don't even necessarily need the dolls. Um, you know, there are just so many more kind of disruption options in the expanded format. So, yeah, you know. We we like these kind of stall uh, mill archetypes, and uh, you know, Pikaram obviously is going to be a good choice. And then you look at something like Rallin Alola Executor, near and dear to my heart, and then maybe even something like um, you know the uh, the the Garchomp Giratina GX as being something that people have played to pretty good success recently. Yeah, Tina Chomp obviously, you know, a continued contender. It doesn't like one of those decks that really doesn't lose anything. I mean. It lost Shaman, of course, just like every other yeah. deck did. But A, so did every other but deck. It didn't really, and B, it didn't, it didn't spam really them. Rely on it didn't spam Shaman, yeah. right? So like it can use yeah. Crobat to a similar effect. And I think yeah. most decks will kind of fall into that bucket. It's just this really absurd, like draw your whole deck turn one um, and do something insane like the uh, Trevenant and Dustnora deck that really suffer from losing Shaman. Sure, sure. Well, good. So, yeah, we have that tournament coming up. That is on Tuesday of this upcoming week. Uh, and so starting at 7 o'clock, 
you know, make sure to get your deck list in, you know, well before that sign up on the full grip games website. And we can't wait to see you there. I know Andrew is planning on playing. He has been really excited about the expanded format and I'm going to be excited to be back in the booth uh, casting. Heck yeah. One other uh, fun event we've participated in recently is the, the table mon challenge the sword and shield on format jw you ended up taking the dub didn't you at that event no i was top top eight top eight okay sorry i was sorry to rub it in i was very close yeah get past one uh one eternatus deck and i think i would have won eternatus too many uh won the tournament yeah but so talk us through how that went i mean i don't i don't want to focus so much on like the post rotation element of it but more so (laughs) like you know what kind of archetypes were succeeding yeah. uh what deck did you play and how'd it go sure so i had a video on youtube if you want a little bit more in-depth explanation of kind of my matchups and if you want to see the matchups i would i would kind of point you over to uh the youtube channel i played dragapult and surprisingly i i kind of actually thought that dragapult would be like one of the major archetypes you know one of the top five play most played I was the only Dragapult player <laughs> in the entire tournament, which I thought was absurd because I was thinking going in, I was like, okay, obviously Zashin is going to be big, right? That's just pretty much an established archetype um, and doesn't really need anything. And I think a lot of players will just kind of default to it for safety. You know, we lose a lot of draw in the post-rotation format. So being able to play four Zashin in your deck just seems like you're going to take a free dub, you know, every... <laughs> three or four rounds, right? Because your opponent's not going to set sure. up. You get a Zashin, and then you can just swing 230 uh, from then on. So that was the most played deck. And then I was thinking, okay, you know, Eternatus, another deck that you can pretty much port right over uh, from this <laughs> current format yeah. into, you know, post-rotation format. Of course, Sword and Shield on, there are only four sets, but, you know, you just literally just rip a list, and for the most part, you can play exactly what the Eternatus deck. So I was like, okay, those two seem like the big two. And then what's number three? And I was I was honestly thinking like, okay, Dragapult seems like that kind of third in the trio, right? Because if you if you play Dragapult, you you generally have a pretty decent matchup against Zashin based decks. I wouldn't say it's like overwhelmingly favorable, but you know, you can navigate that matchup. And then against Eternatus, you know, if you can flip on the right side of variance, like you can crushing hammer your way to a win there as well, you know, or clefable sure. your way to a win there as well. So I was thinking, okay, that that seems like the triad with, you know, Zashin being the most played, Eternatus being, you know, second, which it was, that was the order of most played decks. And then I was thinking, okay, Dragapult's going to be third, but I'm going to slot in with the Dragapult players. I don't know if that that's correct. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't believe that Inteleon was that well represented. I actually think there were uh, more Frostmoth decks than Inteleon. Oh, yeah. Frostmoth. Or no, more uh, more Lapras. More Lapras decks. Sure. But like Frostmoth, I think Frostmoth would be like the third deck is over Dragapult would be like my initial take. Yeah, no, it wasn't that way. It wasn't that way. I'm... uh, I'm going to pull up the stats here. Obviously, you guys can follow along on the Limitless site. But it was, um, yeah, it was really interesting to see kind of that there were no other Dragapult when I thought it was going to be a big deal. So I ended up (laughs) playing, I think the number three most played deck, I'll go ahead and and check it in a second. But I think the number three most played deck was um, Colossal, actually. There you go. I guess to counter the Eternatus. So um, let's take a look here at the metagame so oh oh yeah no you're totally right dude you're totally right Inteleon <laughs> was number three let's there was go. this other category let's go there's this other category that i was thinking is number three but it's comprised of you know all the all the weird things so yeah Zashin 30 percent eternatus about 20 percent and then number three most played deck was Inteleon with about seven percent then we have decidui colossal you know and then it starts to get <laughs> a little funky but um yeah so heading into the tournament i was feeling fairly confident against zashin i was like okay i can outplay the other dragapult players and then i'm gonna just i don't know i'll figure it out you know dragapult <laughs> is definitely one of those kind of like you just you just figure run something and you figure it out yeah <laughs> so um i ended up playing a lot of zashin i think i played three over the course of the day three or four can't remember uh, i played two of the colossal decks one in top eight and and no, maybe I played three of the Colossal decks. So I played one in top eight, 
one, the same one during Swiss, and then I played another one during Swiss, and then I played a Decidueye deck, two Decidueye decks, uh, which I was like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna have a really bad matchup, but then then I remembered and chat reminded me that I have Shred <laughs> on the Dragon Ball VMAX, and you just really eat those Decidueyes up. Um, and they can't so get yeah, the energy overall, to attack you on the board. Yeah, overall a pretty easy day. I actually missed my round one pairing. So I took a loss on the first round, oh, no. but I won out from there until we got to top eight. And, and then I lost, lost to an Eternatus player. Oh, sheesh. Oh, that's I super know. fun. That's super fun. Yeah, it was pretty fun. So all that said, I'd like to take this episode and distill it down uh, to what our recommendation is in both formats going forward. For Expanded, it can be a little bit of a soft recommendation. Um, so in sure. Standard, for people... Um, going into more online events or into team challenges, what do you think the the top decks are? And then expanded, uh, or top deck for you would be either top mm-hmm. one deck for you. And then for expanded, sure. what would your top choice as of now be? Yeah, I think for, I mean, I, I played Picaram, but I don't necessarily think that it maybe is the best, most well-rounded deck. I think a lot of people will steer away from a deck like a Blacephalon and maybe just kind of go for these just larger archetypes, the tag teams or the VMAX archetypes. Um, so I wouldn't be necessarily that worried about a deck like Blacephalon. At least I wasn't in the local meta game. We didn't have any. Uh, so I would, if I were to play again, if I had another one coming up, I'd probably choose Eternatus. Um, just having, sure. having ways to get around hammers, you know, you have that first attack, the power accelerator to mitigate to some extent, the hammer damage that can be done to Eternatus. Um, you know, you play your switches. So, you know, if you can conserve those, you can get around Raichu and Raichu. Um, you you have your outs to beating pretty much everything. And you have generally solid matchups against the tag team decks and pretty favorable matchups, matchups against a lot of the Emax decks as well. Awesome. And then how about for Expanded? For Expanded... I just haven't put enough time into it. So I, I don't want to give like a bad recommendation. Sure. I would say if you're... What would you start playing, testing with? What would you start testing with? Let's do that. Well, instead. I mean, like the the stakes are so low for a lot of these online tournaments that... And if you've never played these kinds of decks before, like um, play a stall deck. Like play a, play a mill stall archetype. You know, rip one of Sanders creations off a of limitless and just like play that, you know, cause again, the stakes are so low. Like, it's not like you're trying to go to a regionals and trying to figure that out. Like you just <laughs> get to play in your PJs uh, at home. So, you know, take something that's really out of your comfort zone uh, for, for the expanded, um, you know, tournaments that you have coming up. That would be my recommendation, whether or not you do that or not, you know, that's up to you. But I think now is a great time to experiment because then um, if there is ever a time, and there certainly was in the past, where like stall slash mill was just like arguably the best deck in its respective format, then you'll want to be seasoned with those. And I think it's now more than ever is like the best time to try to learn all these more intricate archetypes because there's not a ton on the line. For sure. For sure. And you already know for me, it's peek around both times, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you set yourself up for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Fire off. <laughs> Full blitzes left and right. <laughs> uh-huh. It's so uh-huh. funny because I was a huge peek around stand when the first card literally first came out. And then I never played it at all. And now I just, I'm all about the ROM. <laughs> I really loved Pika Pads. That was my I favorite hated Pika Pad. I despised. Really, Pika you Pad. hated Pika Pads? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was awful. <laughs> I had one of my I had one of my favorite finals <laughs> in a league cup ever with uh, with Pika Pads against another Pika Pads player. It was uh, it was Owen Robinson, and he like flipped. He had like four Pika Pad or pads in hand. Uh, what are they? Um, order pads. order pads. He had like three or four <laughs> order pads. And he just needed to hit one to get like the last E power or whatever. And he whiffed. I was like, <laughs> yes. I definitely felt Arceus on my side that day. Very nice. So let's open it up from there then to the chat. If you're watching right now and you have any questions, feel free to drop those. Friendly reminder if you're listening on a podcast casting platform or on YouTube that 
we do stream this live every week on twitch.tv slash munner. So if you're interested in participating or uh, getting to see what it's like from a live perspective, definitely feel free to hop in. Yeah, and I try... <laughs> I'm so bad about it because we've started this second channel um, for the podcast. But yeah, if you also want to watch it on YouTube, we have you know the <laughs> the chat going, uh, and I I try to post it. So if you're really interested in that, I'm just doing a bad job. It will be up. This podcast episode will be up tomorrow. I guarantee it. Um, there we go. Seal approval. So there it is. Yeah, the Cree wall guarantee. <laughs> I do want to take a second to say thank you to our listenership. I've been going over the analytics this week and I, I try to stay away from it. Like, cause I can get really in my own head about numbers and stuff, but we're up this period 30% in terms of listenership. And that's really, uh, really cool. So thank you guys all for listening. There was also one country that I did not recognize in the <laughs> listed countries that have at least one listener. And let's see, there, here it is, Guernsey. So if you're the one listener from Guernsey, thank you so much for <laughs> listening to Tag Team. That's awesome. We got a couple of questions. Where, oh, go ahead. Oh, do you know where Guernsey is? I just- No idea. Just to, nope. It is- Not a big geography H. guy. It is a channel island in the English Canal. See, like I generally am a geography guy, but I had no idea that this country existed. So shout outs to them. That's awesome. Got a couple questions in chat here. Um, M. Anderson, 6545 asks, Ooh. do you think TPCI missed an opportunity to make a plus or minus and Pichu tag team GX? Um, from my perspective, absolutely. Yeah, I love those guys, <laughs> especially Pichu. Any, any excuse think- to get Pichu on another card? I think, yeah, let's take that. I think they did their due diligence to the baby Pokemon when they printed Togekiss or when they printed uh, Togepi, Cleffa, and Igglybuff GX. To be fair, those guys did have that awesome animation that they released, which was super funny. Um, I don't know if you saw that, the one with the Salamence and the Dragapult. Oh, maybe I didn't. Oh, yeah. No, you should like, send it to me. Yeah, they tweeted it out at some point. It was like this, a Salamence, a Dragapult, and a Haxorus are like running in fear from these gigantic fairy baby Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) That's so epic. Very funny. (laughs) Got another question in chat here from PD0412. Do you think Colossal VMAX with Rotom Phones is a top tier deck? Been having a lot of success with it recently. Um, And of course, Colossal coming off a win here at that 190 person chill TCG event. so, JW, I think you might have a little more direct experience with that deck than me. What are, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I think Colossal is really a product of a good metagame. So you're going you're gonna to thrive in this metagame. Um, you weren't thriving necessarily at the beginning of the format, of this Vivid Voltage format, because, because people were off of Fighting Week decks in order to compensate for potential Colossal. Now that we're swinging <laughs> back, you know, people are playing the peak ROMs, they're playing in high counts, the Eternatus. So like this, if you're ever going to play Colossal, it's probably now, you know, you're looking yeah. at these top cuts where it's like three peak ROMs, you know, two Eternatus. And like, this is it, you know, this is what the deck wants and, and arguably what the deck needs to succeed. Because if you move out, you know, to maybe more Mewtwo based decks or um, just anything not fighting week, you're generally going to have a harder time navigating those matchups. Um, so I think sure right now Colossal is like the ultimate metagame specific deck as opposed to a deck like Pikram, which I think can exist, you know, generally speaking um, on its own or like a Mewtwo lightning list, like generally speaking can just exist on its own uh, and do and have some success or an ADP, you know, would be that standard bearer, right? For just being able to, to thrive almost at any point. But yes, now that we see this very, very um, fighting week, metagame i think colossal is is a great choice yeah and i think colossal will probably stick around um have a little more staying power than average for a little bit here um, i don't yeah. see people really shifting too much off of pikaram and eternus just because of colossal um, right so i think this is a great opportunity to get those games in Got another question from m anderson here on a more serious note, what is a good EX attack for Mew3 to use and expanded? I don't know if you meant EX or GX attack. Um, I think the current pool of Mew2's attackers 
has been pretty decently defined and nailed down. Um, you know, we got obviously mainstays like the Despair Ray. Um, we got the Pina Chomp. We got the Greninja, obviously a, a huge contender there. Um, so I would, mm-hmm. I would just take a look at some other recent um, tops. I think the Alolan Sandslash is probably the, the addition that wasn't covered in maybe some of the, the Dallas versions of the Mewtwo deck um, because it wasn't out yet. <laughs> so um, I would maybe look at that. But otherwise, I think the archetype stays relatively the same. Riley, what are your thoughts on what the newest Pokemon trademark is so the they just came out with the v union what do you think that could be i've seen a lot of people get pretty upset about you know potentially you know a, a tag team 2.0 type of deal what are your thoughts on what v union could possibly mean are we looking at like fusion cards um to me it feels like it's going to be like a fusion or a legend kind of thing i don't a think legend. they yeah. i don't know if they want to go right back to tag teams again um, or maybe it's like V units kind of act as V's, but then you can like combine them in some way. Um, like I don't know, you like lay them on top of each other or like mash them together. It makes them like greater whole, um, but you can still like play them. Um, that's that's kind of what my thoughts are. Is there some card that'll like combine in some way? I don't think it'll be the same as tag team. I don't know. I would I would be hesitant to get to say that they just go right back to tag teams, but. Who knows? I mean, maybe they do. Sure. Do you have any thoughts yourself? Or just a kind of know. similar things? Yeah, no, I, I feel like it could be like some kind of legend mechanic. Uh, legends were something back in 2010 in the Heart Gold Soul Silver era where they would have, you know, you, it wouldn't be a playable Pokemon on its own, but if you had both cards, you could play them together. So maybe it's something, you know, part one and part two, you know, Union, uh, play them both down to form. Yeah, you know, some kind of V or V Max Pokemon, um, and I think that really does make a lot of sense in terms of like the size of these Pokemon. Like, if you look back at the Legends, yeah, they they absolutely. were just that the legendary Pokemon, right? So they're like you know supposed to be kind of this larger than life Pokemon that comes into play. And so V Max, I thought you know coming into the V Max setting, like that they were going to do some kind of you know basic Pokemon card and, and maybe have some attachment like a break or something, you know, to make the Pokemon card itself, like the art, like bigger or something, do something like that. And I think <laughs> V union. Yeah. If I, if I had to guess, if you had, you know, uh, if you forced me to guess, it'd probably be something akin to a legend type piece. Some legend mechanic. Well, I think that's a perfect place to, to end up for the day here. Um, JW, thank you as always for another great episode. And thank you all to our listeners and viewers, both on Twitch and off, who continue to support the podcast. It means so much that we get this great listenership. JW already gave some shout outs, so I won't harp on it too much. But you all are what makes the machine keep chugging. So we can't express our appreciation enough. We got some exciting stuff in the pipes for the next few weeks, so be on the lookout. Definitely keep listening through the end of the year. You don't want to miss what we got coming up for y'all. But for now, we're going to sign off. Thank you as always, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya.